sometimes but you know sometimes to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, I want you to notice how Paul looked forward with positive anticipation to the day when he would go and be with the Lord. As believers, we all need to have this same enthusiasm, this same fire that Paul had. It is a fire that knows there is a crown in heaven waiting for us when we run the good race. There is a reward for us in heaven once we've kept the faith. And knowing this should light a fire in us. Have you ever thought about where your life is heading 
I'm not talking about fulfilling your dreams or desires. My question is, do you know where you will spend your eternity? The Bible is clear about what will happen in the last days. However, it's up to us to believe in God's word or begin to entertain human explanation and reasoning. Now, there are several occasions that the Bible clearly prophesies and warns us about what will happen in the last days. Allow me to give you a few. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Other translations say, dangerous times will come. Times of great distress and trouble will come. Difficult days that will be hard to bear. And if you move on to 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. The Bible says, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Do you understand what the Bible is saying here? In the last days, people, men and women who were once in the church, men and women who once believed, they will turn away from the faith. Why? Because of deceitful and seductive spirits and doctrines of demons. It is easy to forget that this earth isn't our real home and that all of this will eventually fade away and come to an end. Yes, God created this earth and has placed us here to live a fulfilling and fruitful life in service to him and to each other. But this is just the beginning of our service to him. This world is simply a place where we can prepare ourselves before we go to live with him in his kingdom for all eternity. That is his plan for all mankind. However, not all accept him or even want to take part in his perfect plan. Some have chosen the road to destruction. The way we live our lives here on earth will determine where we spend our eternity. And God tells us, through his word, how we can guarantee eternal life with him. This life that we are now living demands so much from us. Different people and different circumstances demand our time, energy, effort, work, and attention. These demands keep us busy, and as a result, we are constantly responding to each one by dividing our attention between them. Some of these are essential and necessary for our survival, comfort, and well-being, while some are not necessary at all. In fact, they may be negatively affecting us and others around us, causing us stress, worry, and trouble. So much of what we do and how we think is because of the standards that humankind has set, and they are not in God's best interest nor pleasing to him. Although we are in this world, we are not of this world and therefore should be living for God according to his standards and will.
The Apostle Paul reminds us of this in Romans 12, verse 2, when he says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And again, he reminds us in Romans 14, verse 8, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So what does this living for the Lord look like? It means to have him as the center of our lives, to seek his will before our own selfish desires, to listen to his voice among all the other voices we hear, and to make it our life's mission to serve him in all that we do. All of this is easier said than done. It is much easier for us to choose to do the wrong thing instead of the right thing, to choose the world over God, to choose our will over his. Living for God is not an easy task. That is why Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The narrow gate may be tiresome and difficult to enter into, but it is worthwhile. Christ is knocking on the door of our hearts. He wants eternal life for us and not damnation. He doesn't force himself in, but instead waits for us to respond to his knock. In Revelation 3, verse 20, the Lord addresses his church and says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So let us be open to his voice, which we hear during prayer and upon reading his word by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let us not harden our hearts. Let us not grieve the Holy Spirit. Instead, let us listen and respond to his knock. Let us open the door and let him in so that he may dwell with us and in us. $6,495 from this education stimulus program? This could deposit $6,495 directly into your bank account to go back to school. Congress has just expanded eligibility on this government-funded grant program, and millions of Americans may now qualify for up to $6,495 in funding that never has to be paid back. If you're unemployed or make less than $80,000 per year, then you may qualify. These funds can be used for all expenses while enrolled in classes, including housing, groceries, and child care. This program was put in place to help Americans earn their degree without the debt that comes along with student loans 
and banks have been working to keep it a secret to protect their profits. Have you heard about this program? Don't worry, you're not alone. Most Americans have not yet claimed their funds and are urged to claim theirs before the funds run out. This program could end at any time, so it's important to act now before time is... I love the gospel of Jesus Christ when it's preached without any edits or filters. And in this present day, I struggle to find the type of preachers who give you the gospel of Jesus Christ raw and uncut. There used to be a good crop of preachers who weren't afraid to preach repentance. They weren't afraid to tell you that sin leads to hell. What happened to the pastors who would preach in such a way that you were left feeling challenged, challenged to do better, challenged to seek the face of the Lord and to turn away from sin? Look at the modern day church. Does the church of today symbolize Jesus Christ? Does the modern day pastor humble themselves and recognize that their title may be head pastor? It may be bishop. But in reality, their call is to serve. It's to become a servant for God's kingdom. We have seen an influx lately of the fall of celebrity pastors. It seems like one after another is in the news for some sort of abuse, controversy, or financial scandal. These pastors have millions of viewers and followers that follow their every word and move. They have fostered these cult-like followings, and they've built multi-million dollar empires with lavish lifestyles. These are cults of personality. And this trend transcends megachurch pastors. It seems that the motivation of pastoring and of church leadership has become fame, fortune, and prestige. The pastor has become this unapproachable figure for those who are really in need of counsel and guidance. Leaders have become more concerned about the number of Instagram followers and Facebook likes than proclaiming the word of God. They have become more concerned with wealth than the word, more concerned with status than scripture, and more concerned with popularity than with preaching the gospel. Is this what Christ called us to do? On the contrary, Christ called those who would lead his flock to a very different ministry. Now, there is nothing inherently wrong with having a large church, a thriving media ministry, and living a comfortable lifestyle. But the extent to which we engage in these things testifies to our inner motivations and intentions. Here is how Jesus outlined this concept of ministry. Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? 
In other words, a true disciple of Jesus Christ sets aside selfish interests. A true disciple of Christ expresses a willingness to take up their cross and to endure whatever may come. The Lord taught us that whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be humble. And didn't Jesus Christ exemplify humility? Did he not demonstrate a willingness to serve, even with his life? Jesus's model of ministry is clear. Humility, service, sacrifice, not pomp, circumstance, and status. Jesus clearly says the greatest among you will be a servant. But there seems to be two types of leaders today. Those who lead for their own glory and those who lead for the glory of God. Those who lead for their own glory are concerned about status and image. But those who lead for the glory of God are concerned about spreading the gospel. Those who lead for their own glory spend more time on updating their Instagram stories than cultivating their relationships with the Lord so that their sermons are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Those who lead for their own glory have little to no time for the man on the back bench who has a mountain of issues and simply needs direction. But those who lead for the glory of God spend time in service to others. Those who lead for their own glory get drunk with their own celebrity and power and become abusers and power brokers, while those who lead for the glory of God become intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. But what has God called us to? Has he called us to lives of fame and fortune? No. Rather, he has called us to lives of love and service. Paul has this to say about spiritual leadership. Acts 20 verse 28 says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of Space tight? Bob has big ideas in small spaces, like this small space solution. Get the sofa, love seat, three tables, two lamps and a rug, all eight pieces for only 50 of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Spiritual leaders should consider themselves overseers or caretakers for the church of God. The same way a man would be protective of his wife and children, a spiritual leader should be protective of their flock, even more so because the flock is not theirs, but the Lord's. Christ died for the church, and the pastor has been entrusted to shepherd the flock of Christ. What a high calling. In another passage, Paul says this. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Leaders leading according to the flesh take this passage as a license for spiritual abuse. 
They will use and abuse their authority and status over the church and call on people to be obedient to them. But just as a wife's call to submit to her husband is contingent on the husband's submission to Christ, so is the parishioner to the spiritual leader. If that leader is not following the path of Christ, they have no authority, at least no authority from heaven. If that leader is drunk with their own power rather than the power of Christ, they have no authority. If that leader is consumed with worldly pursuits and interests rather than the interests of the gospel, they have no authority. Oh, beloved, this world has enough celebrities we don't need anymore. We don't need any more entertainers. We need preachers. We don't need any more icons. We need apostles. We don't need any more charlatans. We need shepherds. What we need, beloved, is good, honest, godly leadership. A leadership that encourages repentance and holy living. We have enough people encouraging us to sin and to live according to the flesh. What we need are leaders that will encourage us in the word of God. May we be those leaders and may we follow those leaders. Leaders who aren't afraid to hold up the Bible and say, this is God's standard. The standard we ought to follow and live by. All men and women of God should live by 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 and 2. The Amplified Translation reads, And when I came to you, brothers and sisters, proclaiming to you the testimony of God concerning salvation in Christ, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, no lofty words of eloquence or of philosophy as a Greek orator might do, for I made the decision to know nothing, that is, to forego philosophical or theological discussions regarding inconsequential things and opinions while among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified and the meaning of his redemptive substitutionary death and his resurrection. I wanted to find the best way to make money online. And that's when I came across a successful mm -hmm. internet marketer called Adam. What drew me to Adam? 
God. Some of you have had people speak and wish negative things over your life. Some have had people speak down on them. Other people have spoken to you with no respect, no consideration about your feelings or how their words would impact you. Some of you may have even had people speak evil over you. And if this is you, if you have been on the receiving end of some ill-spoken words or hurtful and evil words, I want you to know that at the end of the day, when all is said and end of some ill-spoken words or hurtful and evil words, the true is the word of God. What will stand to be correct is the word of God. What stands to be undeniable is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but what stands forever is the word of God. And so, dear listener, if anyone has ever cursed you, spoken evil upon you, or said some things that were aimed to hurt you and discourage you, what I want you to know is that God's word has the final say over your life, not people. God's word is what will last. And hear me when I say this. God's word has ultimate power and ultimate authority to overcome and dismiss every evil and negative word spoken to you. And so I want you to rewrite your mind through God's word. Begin to find out what the Lord says about you in the Bible. Because as you search for your identity in Christ, you will find that the word of God says that you are a friend of Christ. Just read John 15 and 15. The Bible says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. For everyone who has ever called you weak, I want you to know that the word of God in Philippians 4 and 13 says that you can do all things through Christ. You can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. For everyone who has ever said that you will never accomplish anything, you'll never overcome that difficulty. I want you to know that God's word in Romans 8 and 37, know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For everyone who has ever said that misfortune follows you or bad things only happen to you, well, I want you to know that God's word in Psalms 23, verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Saints, what I'm trying to get to is that the Bible says so much about you. It speaks about your identity in Christ. So don't listen to the negative words people may speak over your life. Pay no mind to any evil word spoken against you because God's word has ultimate power. And in his word, you find out that you are protected. You are cared for. You are not forsaken. And you are certainly loved because Jesus Christ laid down his life for you.
Now let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. Your word that speaks to who I am. Your word speaks to what I can achieve. Your word that speaks over my life. Lord Jesus, when Satan, the accuser of the brethren, comes and calls me a sinner, may the Holy Spirit remind me that your word tells me that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I am justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. If the devil calls me a failure and a liar, Lord, I pray that your word would come alive within me and remind me that I am a new creation in Christ. May your word speak to me and remind me that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, your word in Deuteronomy 28 verse 13 says, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Lord, each time the devil has whispered to me that I am nothing, each time that he's tried to make me feel as though I'm worthless, I pray in agreement with everyone listening. I thank you for making me the head and not the tail. I thank you for your word that tells me that I am more valuable than many sparrows. In you, I am more than a conqueror, Lord Jesus. In you, I am an overcomer. Regardless of what anyone else says about me or to me, Lord, I will only trust and rely on what your word, your word that tells me that I am redeemed. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I've been called out of darkness into the light. Father, help me to understand that my identity can only be found in your word. Your word that calls me a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Lord Jesus, your word is what matters. Your word overrules every evil and negative thing spoken against me. Your word enlightens me. It leads me and directs me. Holy Spirit, help me to understand that I can only find out who I am through God's word. Help me to understand that I can only see who I am through God's word. The Bible in Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. I bless your holy name, Lord, because your word tells me that I am your own master work created in Christ Jesus. Thank you because I have been reborn from above. I have been spiritually transformed. I have been renewed, and Lord, I am ready and willing to be used in your kingdom, Lord Jesus. May your name be exalted forever. I thank you for hearing my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. The intrinsically good man produces what is good and honorable and moral out of the good treasure stored in his heart. 
and the intrinsically evil man produces what is wicked and depraved out of the evil in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. What we say reveals what's in our hearts. The words that we speak reveal the contents of our hearts. And so the question is, what's coming out of your mouth? What have you stored in your heart? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if God's word is what's stored in your heart, then inevitably your words will reflect that. Have you ever wondered why people can recite the lyrics to a song that came out years ago, but they can't seem to recite more than three Bible verses? It's all to do with what's in the heart. So we should be mindful of what we are feeding on, what we are dwelling and meditating on. What are you consuming for your heart? Is it the word of God or is it worldly entertainment? Because that will be reflected when you speak. Now, not only are words a reflection of what's in your heart, but words have power. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit meaning our tongues can either build or tear down our tongues can either curse or bless they can declare the word of god and speak life into a situation or they can speak destruction so how do your words affect you how are they shaping your life? How are they impacting your future? Now with that said, Proverbs chapter 15 verse 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The Bible likens a wholesome tongue, a gentle, clean and pure tongue to a tree of life. You have to understand that your words have power and they have even more power when they are combined with faith and the word of God. So our prayer today, our request to the Lord, should be that our words are first and foremost pleasing to him. Our prayer should be that our lips are found to always always be offering praises to the Lord. The words we speak ought to encourage others in the faith. They ought to testify to the unbeliever about the goodness of Jesus Christ. And our words should never destroy the faith of another believer. And finally, we need to pray that our words, the words that we speak, may bear good fruit in our lives. May they produce good and acceptable things in the sight of the Lord. Now let us pray. 
King Jesus, you are an awesome and mighty God. I praise you for your amazing grace and love. Father, today I pray that the words I speak, may they lead me to life. May they be words that build and encourage those around me. Give me a wholesome tongue, Lord, so that I may be found to be speaking words that impact my life in a positive and godly way. I pray that you would give me a wholesome tongue so that I may be speaking words that are in line with your will and purpose for me. Transform my heart so that the words that come out of my mouth may be in line with your will and purpose for me. May the words that come out of my mouth be a reflection of your transformative work. Change my heart, Lord, so that my words will be words of faith, hope, and victory. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide me and give me the presence of mind to always speak positive words. Words of faith and victory over myself, over my family, and my loved ones. Guide me to speak the word of God always. Lord, I pray that I would not use my words to simply describe the situation and circumstances that I find myself in, but through the authority that's in the name of Jesus Christ, I will speak God's word into every situation that I face, so that you, King Jesus, may have all the power and all the glory. Holy Spirit, May you help me so that I may not have a tongue that always speaks of how big my problems are. But I pray that you would give me a mouth and the faith to tell my problems about how big my God is. Father, your word in Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2 tells me that you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Therefore, I choose to declare your goodness over my life. I declare that I am expecting my God to overwhelm me with his goodness and amaze me with his favor. Your word in Psalm chapter 31 verse 19 says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. Lord, I pray that I would continue to experience your abundant goodness. Lord Jesus, I pray that my family and I will continue to experience your kindness and your faithfulness. Your love and grace mean that as sons and daughters in your kingdom, we will not worry. We will not live in doubt. We will not fear, but instead, we will keep our trust in you, knowing that you are a God who will not fail. You are a God who will never let us down. 
Your word says in Luke chapter 21, verse 15, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. I receive this promise. Give me a mouth of wisdom, a mouth that is aware of the power and significance of my words. And so out of the abundance of my mouth, may I speak your word, Lord. May I speak about your love and your amazing grace and the unmerited favor that is upon my life and my home. Lord, I thank you for listening to this prayer. Be blessed and be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When you think of God's unconditional love for you, you will find that it covers every single area that you could ever need. God's love for you means that you are protected. God's love for you means you are forgiven. He looks at you with merciful eyes. God's love for you means that you are offered peace beyond understanding. You're offered eternal life. You're offered joy unspeakable. You are offered another chance. And it's up to us to accept this offer of love from God. Psalm 27 verse 10 says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me but the Lord will take me in. Saints, I encourage you to open your heart and accept the love that Jesus Christ has to offer you. I encourage you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Accept the Holy Spirit as your comforter, your counselor, your teacher, and accept the word of God to be the ruling authority in your life. The world, it's deceptive. Sin is deceptive, but Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Don't choose a more convenient way of living that is outside of the parameters of the word of the Lord. Whoever you are, I encourage you to choose Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, I encourage you to follow Jesus Christ. Everyone else can leave you, they can forsake you, but never the Lord. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. Here's what the Bible says about God's love. Romans 8, verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sisters and brothers, I don't know what you've done. I don't know anything about your past. And although others may judge you, 
Others may look at you sideways. Jesus Christ will always receive you, regardless of what shape you're in, regardless of your flaws, as long as you repent from sin and open up your heart to him. The Amplified Translation for Romans 8 verse 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. This is how great the love of the Lord is for you. He does not condemn you. He doesn't condemn you for what you've done, so long as you repent and turn away from sin. And so, if you're under the sound of my voice listening, I urge you not to wait or gamble with your eternal destiny. Be sure that your heart is occupied by King Jesus Christ. Be sure that you have made him the Lord over your life. Now let's pray together. Dear Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love and mercy. Father, I may not know everything that goes on around me in this world, but I do know that many things could have happened to me. Many things could have gone against me. Many plans have been made against me, but you have had your hand over me, ensuring that I was not destroyed, ensuring that I was not defeated and wiped out. For this, I'm grateful. I'm grateful because I have found favor in your sight. It's a blessing to be able to call on your name and know that I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm protected. Psalm 28 verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. I declare that you are my shield, my strength, and in you my heart certainly trusts. I rejoice at your goodness towards me and your providence over my life. You've kept me secure, and I know that you will continually keep me secure. Father, we may not always see the attacks of the enemy, but we certainly see your goodness because we have not been overcome by the wicked one. God, I thank you for blocking every evil attack from the devil. I praise you for the fact that I'm safe. I have breath in my body. I have strength in my bones and life and joy within me. This is evidence that you have stood by me as my strength, as my defender, as my shield, and my deliverer. Teach me the way that's pleasing to you, Lord. Lead me so that my feet may always be on steady ground. As the creator of all things, you hold everything in place, even in the midst of chaos. I know that I'm undeserving of your favor, and I'm grateful. Lord, I'm grateful that I didn't have to earn your favor, but in your goodness, in your unending mercies, you extended your grace to me. You sustained me during my weak moments, and when I felt overwhelmed, You've been right there. You've stood by me, Lord. In 
And so I bless your name because you are indeed worthy of all my praise. Your word in Psalm 121 verse 8, it says, The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Lord, you preserved me. You've kept me and you protected me from every form of harm and danger. And I'm grateful that you continue to stand as my protection against the evil one. Thank you for protecting me even from unseen dangers, from the invisible attacks of the enemy that can come in many forms. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for your guidance. It's always a blessing to be able to call upon Love your it. counsel. You're the brave Holy bitches. Spirit, may you continue to lead me in my decision Church Sunday. Lead me in my actions. Damn. And please lead me even in my speech. Father, I thank you for hearing my prayer. It's in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ. I pray. Amen. People of God. Some of you have had people speak and wish negative things over your life. Some have had people speak down on them. Other people have spoken to you with no respect, no consideration about your feelings or how their words would impact you. Some of you may have even had people speak evil over you. And if this is you, if you have been on the receiving end, of some ill-spoken words or hurtful and evil words. I want you to know that at the end of the day, when all is said and done, what will stand to be true is the word of God. What will stand to be correct is the word of God. What stands to be undeniable is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flowers fade but what stands forever is the word of god and so dear listener if anyone has ever cursed you spoken evil upon you or said some things that were aimed to hurt you and discourage you what i want you to know is that god's word has the final say over your life not people god's word is what will last and hear me when I say this. God's word has ultimate power and ultimate authority to overcome and dismiss every evil and negative word spoken to you. And so I want you to rewrite your mind through God's word. Begin to find out what the Lord says about you in the Bible. Because as you search for your identity in Christ, you will find that the word of God says that you are a friend of Christ. Just read John 15 and 15. The Bible says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. For everyone who has ever called you weak, I want you to know that the word of God in Philippians 4 and 13 says that you can do all things through Christ. You can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 
For everyone who has ever said that you will never accomplish anything, you'll never overcome that difficulty. I want you to know that God's word in Romans 8 and 37, know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For everyone who has ever said that misfortune follows you or bad things only happen to you, mm -hmm. Well, I want you to know that God's word in Psalms 23, verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Okay. Saints, what I'm trying to get to is that the Bible says so much about you. It speaks about your identity in Christ. So don't listen to the negative words people may speak over your life. Pay no mind to any evil word spoken against you because God's word has ultimate power. And in his word, you find out that you are protected. You are cared for. You are not forsaken. And you are certainly loved because Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. Now let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. Your word that speaks to who I am. Your word speaks to what I can achieve. Your word that speaks over my life. Lord Jesus, when Satan, the accuser of the brethren, comes and calls me a sinner, may the Holy Spirit remind me that your word tells me that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I am justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. If the devil calls me a failure and a liar, Lord, I pray that your word would come alive within me and remind me that I am a new creation in Christ. May your word speak to me and remind me that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, your word in Deuteronomy 28 verse 13 says, the Lord will make you the head not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Lord, each time the devil has whispered to me that I am nothing, each time that he's tried to make me feel as though I'm worthless, I pray in agreement with every I'm worthless. I pray in agreement with everyone listening. I thank you for making me the head and not the tail. I thank you for your word that tells me that I am more valuable than many sparrows. In you, I am more than a conqueror, Lord Jesus. In you, I am an overcomer. Regardless of what anyone else says about me or to me, Lord, I will only trust and rely on what your word, your word that tells me that I am redeemed. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I have been called out of darkness into the light. Father, help me to understand that my identity can only be found in your word. Your word that calls me a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
God's special possession. Lord Jesus, your word is what matters. Your word overrules every evil and negative thing spoken against me. Your word enlightens me. It leads me and directs me. Holy Spirit, help me to understand that I can only find out who I am through God's word. Help me to understand that I can only see who I am through God's word. The Bible in Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. I bless your holy name, Lord, because your word tells me that I am your own master work created in Christ Jesus. Thank you because I have been reborn from above. I have been spiritually transformed. I have been renewed, and Lord, I am ready and willing to be used in your kingdom, Lord Jesus. May your name be exalted forever. I thank you for hearing my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. And that's all we have right now for this broadcast. Uh, we're going to rock some more in a moment after these fine kinky words. Cheers. Loved us. For everyone who